0: Well, good evening, and welcome to this Ash Wednesday service. This is one of my favorite services of the year. Um, one, just because it's, it's a little different. It has a little bit different feel to it. Uh, it's more reflective, and so I just encourage you this evening, even as we begin, just to allow yourself to take a breath, because this really is an opportunity to for you to just um, take care of your, your soul this evening and give your soul attention Ash Wednesday in the church calendar is a day that marks the beginning of the season called Lent. And the season of Lent covers a span of 40 days that ends at Easter. And this span of 40 days is significant. Uh, the, the, the idea of 40 days in the Bible has a greater significance. And one of those um, reasons is because it, rem- it reminds us of Jesus' 40 days That he spent in the wilderness during his time of testing. However, if you do your math, if you were to count from Ash Wednesday to Easter, you'd count 46 days. So why do we call it 40 days of Lent if there's actually 46 days? And the reason for that is because we don't count the Sundays of Lent because we believe that every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. So if you take those 40 days of Lent plus the six Sundays to lead us to Easter, you get 46 total days. But the season of Lent begins today, and that's where we are right here and right now. And it's intended to be a season of reflection, of prayer, of repentance, and fasting as we prepare ourselves for the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord at Easter For us, it is our own way of following Jesus in the wilderness where we set aside temptations and we seek to draw near to God, relying on his sovereign grace to uphold us and to sustain us. You may know that many people give up something for Lent. That's their, their practice during the season of Lent. Sometimes it's desserts or chocolate, which might be a little difficult for some of us. Sometimes it's Maybe soda or coffee. And some people might say, don't touch my coffee. But that's something that some people give up. Might be something more like shopping. You know, just those unnecessary purchases we know that we make. Some people nowadays give up social media. Maybe Facebook or Instagram, things like that. Or just eliminating time in front of the TV or just other screens and devices. There's all sorts of ways in which people observe and uh, practice Uh, Lent, but I would say you know no matter what you do or don't do, that's really up to you. But if you do something, make it relevant, make it something that's impactful, because it ought to be something that that really challenges you, that draws you forward. And you know I want to make just a comment here about the difference between dieting and fasting. Uh, Dieting, you know, as you know, it's probably it's a great thing to do. We should have good diets. But when we think about diet, that's something that's simply for our own well being. It's kind of self focused. But when we think about the idea of biblical fasting, fasting from something means eliminating something in order to replace that with prayer and with a reliance on God. It's a spiritual exercise, it's not so much us focused as it is God focused. And so with whatever your fasting may be, think about how it can be God-centered. So if you fast for, uh, from sweets, you know, whenever you feel that desire for something sweet, make sure to offer a prayer in its place. Or instead of spending money at Starbucks, use that savings for acts of generosity and charity. Instead of time spent watching TV or in screens, use that time spent uh, nourishing your soul in Scripture. Or instead of scrolling through social media, use that time to to write handwritten notes of encouragement to people. So whatever you do, make it something meaningful. Because I think that's especially in our day and age, we need things that are meaningful and significant. Things that matter to our souls. We live in a day and age when We're used to instant gratification. We order from Amazon and it's here. We can look up anything just from our devices and our pockets. We are in a consumeristic culture that demands that instant gratification. So let us enter into this time of Lent, this season of Lent, seeking to make meaningful investments into our lives of faith and exercise those spiritual muscles that they don't atrophy Just like working out uh, for our physical health requires commitment and energy and time and focus, so does our spiritual health. It requires time and energy and focus and care. So the idea in Lent is not just to add something on top of everything else that you're already doing in your endless to-do list. Rather, the idea in Lent is to simplify your life by removing something or those things that are a distraction in order to better prioritize and focus your devotion to the Lord. There is a great need within the church to exercise those muscles of simplicity and contentment, humility and repentance and discipleship and prayer. So I hope that this evening, this uh, service of worship tonight, is an opportunity to renew our devotion to our Savior to repent of our sin and to commit ourselves once again to the Lord our God. In doing so, will you please stand with me as we join in our call to worship and it's found either in your bulletin or on the screens behind me. God sent Christ into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God's love endures forever. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. God's faithfulness endures forever. Mighty is the Lord our God, holy and righteous is he. The Lord God is worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. Amen. Let us worship God as we do now in Psalms. Go now to God in prayer. Lord, we humbly present ourselves before you this evening. Lord, it is often difficult for us to be vulnerable and transparent, but we pray help us to open our hearts to you. Help us to be honest with ourselves, and most importantly, help us to be honest with you. Lord, we confess our faith can be small, our resolve can be weak. But Lord, we trust that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. May the glory of your holiness captivate our minds and enliven our hearts to receive your truth, your light, your grace, and the life that you offer to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture text comes from John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. It says while Jesus went to the mount of olives early in the morning he came again to the temple all the people came to him and he sat down and began to teach them the scribes and the pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them they said to him teacher this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery now in the law moses commanded us to stone such women now what do you say They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, They went away, one by one, beginning with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. He straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on do not sin again. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In this passage, we have two parties. We have the the party of the Pharisees and that of the woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees bring the woman to Jesus and present him with a dilemma, right, in order to catch him in a moral trap. So one commentary presents presents the dilemma like this. It says that if Jesus were to tell them to carry out the stoning, he would violate the Roman law by which the Romans have reserved to themselves the execution of the death penalty in occupied lands. But if Jesus were to tell them to release the woman, he would appear to condone adultery and violate the law of Moses. Now, I think it's worth noting here also that the law of Moses also stated that the man in the act of adultery would receive the same punishment. But I think the fact that the Pharisees only seemed concerned to bring the woman before Jesus suggests that really they were just much more concerned about using this woman as a pawn than they really were about upholding the law of Moses. It wasn't really the woman that was on trial. It was Jesus and how Jesus would respond to this dilemma. And it's interesting how Jesus approaches the dilemma it says that he bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. It's the only place in Scripture that it records Jesus writing anything, and he does this as he's questioned, as he's put in the situation. He stops, he bends down, and begins to write. I know, I bet we'd all like to know what it is he wrote, but we don't know. It doesn't give us that detail, and he actually does it twice. Because I kind of spent time with the text and my way of understanding. I think what Jesus does is he, in a way, diffuses the tension of the Pharisees. Instead of reacting to them, as we often do in our own lives, instead of reacting to them and getting into a heated exchange and a battle of egos and wits, he simply took a moment to pause, to kneel. Maybe even to catch them off guard a little bit to where they were like, what is he doing? This is what we wanted Jesus to do. We wanted Jesus to, you know, to kind of give and take with us. But Jesus didn't do that. But still they kept on questioning him as he was riding on the ground. And finally Jesus stood back up and responded with this. Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then what did he do? He went back, knelt back to the ground and began writing again. Not escalating the tension, not getting into an altercation. He doesn't chastise or degrade them. I think Jesus simply wanted them to pause and to stop and to think and to reflect. Because then it says that one by one they left. I think that as each of them had that moment of pause to really stop And think and to reflect upon their own consciences, it allowed them the chance to consider their own morality, their own sin, their own brokenness. And they left realizing they had no high ground to stand on. Friends, we too have no high ground to stand on. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We are in need of God's forgiveness and God's grace. And the challenge of grace calls us to reflect and to repent. Sometimes, even as Christians, we lose sight of that. Maybe we get caught up in our own routines. Maybe we just get kind of happy with how life is going. Or we just rely on our own goodness and just think everything's great. But we need to take time just to pause, to reflect, to repent, That's one aspect of the challenge of grace. But now what about the woman in the text? Because after her accusers left, there she was standing with Jesus, just he and her. And it says that Jesus straightened up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she responds, no one, sir. I wonder what sort of feelings, if we were to put ourselves in her place, I wonder what sort of feelings she had just experienced with what she had just been through. I mean, the text says that she was caught in the act. I mean, imagine the the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the devastation, the helplessness, the panic, and not to mention the fear and the threat of, of death. She knew she was a sinner. She didn't try to offer any Defense. She didn't try to justify her actions. Throughout the whole ordeal, she was speechless. I wonder if she thought she was even worthy of grace. I think there are many in today's time that feel like they aren't worthy of grace or forgiveness or the love of God. And here's the truth. None of us really are. None of us are worthy of forgiveness, that we have earned it, that we are worthy of the grace and love of God. We are all guilty of spiritual adultery. When we give our hearts to anything other than God or worship those things that we put above God, we commit spiritual adultery. That's how the Old Testament prophets spoke of Israel's disobedience in terms of idolatry and adultery against God. But as even Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 54, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. The beauty of the gospel is that God loves you. Though we don't deserve it, sinners as we are, unworthy as we are, broken as we are, God loves loves us still and God wants to cleanse us of our sin and clothe us in the righteousness of his son that we may have new life now and everlasting life in the life to come praise be to God for his goodness now also know when Jesus is speaking to the woman he also doesn't say after her accusers leave well you're all good have a nice day you know as you were He gives a challenge to her. He sends her forward with these words. Go your way and from now on do not sin again. Here we see again the challenge of grace. It's not a free pass to do whatever we want or whatever we think is right or best for our interest. The challenge challenge of grace is to walk forward in holiness in obedience and in devotion to God as illustrated by both the Pharisees and the woman, may we ourselves not see ourselves as better than or less than others. Our comparison is not with others. Our focus is with our standing before God. So let us allow God's grace and our humility to lead the way. Because God's grace ought to confront us. It ought to convict us of our sin. It ought to challenge us to grow in our obedience and love for God, and it ought to change us as we conform to the image of Christ and live and embark on this journey that God has set before us. So may God's grace cover you. May God's grace and love cover you and confront you and challenge you and change you. Repent and believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Praise the Lord. Amen. For our next hymn, you may just remain seated where you are, but let us sing together now. Just join in our litany of penitence in your bulletin or on the screens behind me. Creator of life, you created us in your image. You blessed us above other creatures to be your representatives on earth. But we have failed to honor you. We have tarnished your image and dishonored your name. You, God, are perfectly righteous. The beauty of your holiness is without blemish. Before your glory we tremble, because we are overwhelmed by your awesome presence. Our sins are exposed by the light of your holiness. Your law is good and your judgment is just. We have sinned against you. We have failed to walk in your ways. We have sought our own glory. We are guilty of iniquity and deserve just punishment. You have called us to exemplify your love and grace and to give of ourselves as you have so freely given of yourself for us. But we selfishly pursue our own gain. We seek to preserve our own well-being, rather than promote the well-being of another. We have failed to love you and love our neighbor as you have commanded us. We are guilty of sin both as a people and as individuals, each one of us. And so we spend these next moments in silence as we confess to you the ways in which we have personally failed to honor you. Let's take a few moments in silence for a prayer of personal confession. Scripture calls us to repent and to believe. And even now the Lord says, return to me with all of your heart, for God, is slow, or, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Friends, hear this promise of God from the words of Ezekiel. He says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. Beloved, the promises of God are true, that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to God. For in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. So live now as new people, free to love God and neighbor. Thanks be to God for this grace. The ashes that we use this evening, they represent our own mortality. You know, that's kind of heavy, kind of dark sounding. But they serve to remind us that we are indeed finite creatures. We are vulnerable, we're fragile, we're broken, we're sinful by nature. And as Genesis 3.19 reminds us, you are dust and to dust you shall return. So in this time, uh, I invite you to use it in time of prayer, repentance. um, And we're not going to do any kind of usher led forward just as you are ready to come forward as you're you know spending time in prayer you can come forward whenever you feels right uh to receive the ashes and then just spend the rest of the time in prayer i just ask that you you do so with reverence for the lord and respect for those around you so i'll ask bev to play now and just whenever you're ready feel free to come forward Thank you. Friends, remember that our mortality, our frailty, does not mean that we are without hope. For in the grace of God, we have a sure and firm hope in Christ, which points us to the resurrection and the life everlasting. Let us now turn our reliance upon God and his promises to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, your grace that covers all. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose for us. Lord, that death does not have the final say. Lord, but in your son there is life and life everlasting. Lord, I pray for all of us during the season of Lent. Lord, may we seek to simplify our lives and to focus our lives on how we may draw nearer to you, drawing from your wells of grace that we would walk in the light of your truth and love. And so now, together, we pray the words that your Son taught us, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Will you please stand with me? And we do ask that, uh, since this is kind of a a special service this evening, it's a little different that we depart in silence, but if you'd like to remain in the sanctuary just for a time of prayer or anything like that, just a moment for yourselves, know that that is available to you. Uh, But as we depart and go through the doors, let us respect uh, the time and the reverence of the moment. So, So now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and all your days. Go in peace. Amen.